Hello and welcome to For Your Reconsideration, the podcast that definitely doesn't get up an absurd hour on a Saturday morning to wait outside the gym for it to be opened by someone way too early. So neat. Nor, <laughs> nor go to their local harvester because it's reliable. Uh, followed up by uh, ignoring the sun they didn't really want and then go and play video games. <laughs> Sorry, because you're an amateur historian for two to three hours in the uh, evening before not making a dinner despite being a chef. Uh, it's FYR for your reconsideration. Uh, and today we are joined... I'm sorry, guys. I'm so giddy. We are joined... It, no longer are we in Missing Man formation. We are back as a trio. It's Simon and James. How are you? boys very well thanks thanks greg no. <laughs> yeah we have to say that's clearly about uh, the man of the moment mr greg wallace who <laughs> just has the most ridiculous saturday routine yeah don't time stamp the podcast rob don't don't do it well evergreen content greg wallace's saturday is evergreen evergreen content from now it's been immortalized and i don't think he meant it to be that should be put into a into the british library as a as a document of the troubled times in which we live. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> or, or also the disconnect between people on television and people who are not on television, possibly. Scheduling a conversation with a PA to check out the sign-ups to do for gregwallace.health. <laughs> <laughs> on a Saturday at Harvester. <laughs> Hang on, um, I love I love it when the listeners get to that point halfway through the episode when it cuts out from us and goes to Greg, an advert for gregwallace.health.com <laughs> from Spotify or Apple. <laughs> um, as I've said, we're back as a three, but Simon, it's so great to see you again, man. How are you? It's it's great. It's been a minute. It's been a minute. Um, yeah, I've just been so busy in my chaotic job doing absolute nonsense. So, but it's good. It's good to see you both. I forgot what you look like. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the same, just older, just doughier. Uh, uh, d- d- uh, so you've been working on last we spoke. You were working on uh, Maestro, which I'm desperate to keep calling Liberace, but that's not helping anybody. Um, now you're working on this uh, new thing with uh, Rufus Sewell and uh, Gillian uh, Anderson. Anderson, yeah, and Billy Piper's in it as well. She plays the genius. yes, yeah, yeah. Oh, How's wow. it going? Uh, I mean, I wish I was working on the actual program and not just the sort of behind the scenes videos of them. You're but, working on the program, um, mate. Let's... No, it's good. The, the, the Maestro ones were absolutely crazy, especially because it was like making. For your consideration, videos. The irony, uh, be, being like you're making it go, you you you're making it going like, you've not really got a chance of your brothers. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> the year we've just had in film, um, but I hope he wins something because he's it. It was very, it was good fun making those, and it was very busy. But um, listening to them talk about the film so passionately, like everyone who was involved in it. It makes you appreciate it a lot more. It's a shame that, like, the preface of watching the film going, yeah, but a bit, watch these three hours of interviews before you watch the film and you might like it a bit. <laughs> it doesn't really work like that. Um, no, it was good. The makeup might win. The makeup's very good. Who knows? Who I was, was going to suggest best prosthesis. We shall see. But other than that, great. Good stuff. How are you, how are you gents? Smiling. Jolly good. 
No, I want to chat. James, how are you, mate? Are you okay? Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. We've all been busy boys, haven't we, last few months? I took on the running of an under sevens football team, which has taken up way more of my time than I expected. So. Uh, can I have a, a flavour of what the uh, the record is, the the uh, the win loss ratio? Oh, uh, let's put it this way: it's a good thing I'm not judged on results. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> They're all having a great time, though, James. They're That's all yeah. about having a good time. As we used to say in every school football team match report, we lost ten nil, but we all enjoyed it and we all played well. It's uh, basically <laughs> no. We're we're doing it. We're doing okay, but we're in a very tough division, and the boys are giving it their all, which is all I can ask oh, for, really. Bless them. I love how you became a full-on football manager at the end. There, the boys yeah, are I giving know. it their all. And, yeah, yeah, no, yeah, yeah. Disappointing, but you know we we weren't able to incorporate what we worked on on the training ground. But we'll come back again next week and give it an up. <laughs> Excellent. Excellent. Spoken like a two profesh. Are you a tracksuit coach or a suit coach? Oh, everyone has to be a tracksuit coach at grassroots. You're not allowed on the touchline without some sort of club shop memorabilia. <laughs> I'd love it if someone just totally booked the trend and came out in like a camouflage onesie or something like that. Like... The thing is, we get a um, every team, because it's under sevens, every team gets a cup final at the end of the season. So I might rock a, oh. a blazer and... And khakis for that. <laughs> if you do that, please can I come with please. with the club badge embroidered into the into the suit. Oh jeez! I get a custom made club blazer. To, to wear <laughs> oh! And then quickly, like Tony Pulis in the FA Cup final, come out in a suit and then quickly run back and put oh, a tracksuit yeah. and baseball cap on. And then lose. <laughs> and then lose. Ouch. Slight dick. Twist so the wound won't close. Based on uh, real events. <laughs> uh, speaking of things that could or could not be based on real events, this is a really weird segue. Um, what have you guys been watching? <laughs> <laughs> not Mr. Beat, Rob. It's... <laughs> I know, yeah. Sai, since your absence, I mean, like, things are as smooth as silk. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I wanted to shout out. I don't watch a lot of TV these days, but there's a couple of uh, TV shows that I've got into over the last month. Um, so I am watching the latest series of True Detective, colon, Night Country, which was obviously just reskinned TV series to, to make it fit into the True Detective canon. It was clearly supposed to be something else. But it is sort of pretentiously thing-adjacent, Obviously, way too convoluted, but watchable enough. Watched the first three so far, and my prediction is that uh, rich paedophiles did it. That's usually what happens in uh, <laughs> true, true Detective, isn't it? And real life. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, so there yeah. we go. Yeah, uh, yeah. It's it's good. I'm, I'm, I don't think it's the strongest series. I did watch series three actually at the start of this mm. year, and I think that's very underrated. Mahershala Ali is very very good in that. He's one. excellent in that show, isn't yeah. he? Yeah, nice. Uh, another show which I've gotten into, surprisingly, you guys ever watched Top Boy on Netflix? <laughs> oh, it's so good. No. So, so good. I put off watching this show for ages because I thought it was just like a vanity project for two UK rappers to play at at being gangsters. And whilst there are gangland shenanigans aplenty, it's also a really deep show about cycles of violence, how this violence affects the immediate community, and the looming spectre of gentrification. Also, 
man needs mad food to stack bear peas. <laughs> yeah, are you, I was going to say, uh, are you are you now speaking the lingo like calm, calm? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I keep going up, keep going up to Jane, uh, my uh, Mrs. S, and just going, yeah, man needs food to stack bear peas. Like, what? <laughs> Shut up! Get away! From you got the food. You got the food. Um, yeah. Did Did you watch? Have you watched it in the right order? So did yes. you watch Summer House? First? I've watched the original yeah. Channel Four ones first, yeah, uh, and then I'm on to the second of the Netflix produced series. Um, so they're yeah, over in... it, it's it's annoying that they've split them up on Netflix because they've kind of not made it obvious which one the first one is exactly. Yeah, yeah, and which one the new one is. Um, but they're oh, they're so good. They're they're really, really, really good. Yeah. So I'm I'm, yeah. I'm surprised. I, I was like, oh, you know it. I'm just going to give this a go. People say it's really good, but I'm not really into, you know, I, I don't, you know, I'm not really into that kind of music and that scene and stuff. So I was like, all right, I'll give it a go. And then I was like, the performances are really like well considered as well. I thought it was going to be quite big and broad, but it's not like really realistic depiction of uh, sort of the drug trade on this, on these estates in London. I think, I think that, since Netflix took over it, it it got a bit glossy, like yes. a lot glossier compared to the original yeah. Channel Four one. Yeah, the budget's definitely gone up for sure. Yeah, bit bigger budget. They mix up the directors a bit because there's a few like American directors. I think what's she called? Ne- um, Da Costa is it Nia Da Costa? She directed one. Yeah, she directed one at least. Yeah, yeah. Channeling her inner Spike Lee for a lot of it. Yeah. We went to the cafe, you know, his little cafe where he... Oh, yeah. There's, it's in uh, Hackney, and we went a couple of months ago and sat down on a lovely fry-up. It's like six quid and you get a massive fry-up. Oh, nice. <laughs> oh, so it's shot on location. That's not a set, though. No, yeah, it's a proper proper cafe in, in Hackney. Oh, nice. Yeah, I love Top Boy. Yeah, so I would recommend Top Boy if, like me, you're late to the party on that. And then the last thing I just wanted to shout out, I've been trying to catch up with all the uh, films that have been nominated for Best Picture, so I've done eight of the ten so far, and the latest one I saw was The Holdovers, uh, which is anchored by a trio of wonderful performances. Uh, The film tells the story of three lost, lonely souls who find companionship in one another on a boarding school campus over the Christmas period of 1970. Crazy. Paulie G is especially good here as a cranky and apparently smelly history teacher who masks his own pain by acerbically cutting his privileged students down to size. The film really delights in its bittersweet tone and 70s setting, uh, painstakingly recreating the period to the degree that it not only looks and feels like the time, but if you didn't know any better, you'd swear it was also made then. The film is a tad baggy. It's like two hours and ten minutes, and I, I thought that was about 20 minutes too long. But uh, ultimately, it seems destined to become a melancholy festive classic for years to come. So uh, top work from Focus Features for putting it out in the UK in January. Yeah, really good no, work there, guys. So which ones have you not seen? Uh, Zone of Interest, which I'm going to go and see this week and hopefully get American fiction in. It's not really getting much of a cinema release near me. It's on at like six in the evening, which is difficult to get to <sighs> with work and stuff. So um, I'm hoping to grab that uh, in the next week or so if I can. And then I will we'll have seen all ten. Nice. Uh, and I think it's a pretty good slate from what I've seen. So far. It's really good. Nice it's work, really good. Man, well. It's been such a good year. This is what I was saying about the Maestro thing. Like it's not a slight on that film. It's just like the year has been so good for 
you know, across the board on everything in yeah. film. Like, there's some really great original written stuff. Yeah, some amazing performances. It's, a, it's a, like a proper range of stuff as well. Like, it's not just yeah. sweeping epics and, and know, big blockbusters yeah, it's, and it's, it's, small it's indies. Yeah, yeah. Foreign film. Yeah. It's great. I saw Zone of Interest. Zone of Interest is my best. It's hard to say favourite because it's, yeah, like, it's not an enjoyable uh, film, but it's yeah, it's really weird, really, isn't it? Really good. I really like I really like Jonathan Glazer, the um the director. I watched Sexy Beast as well the other night, which was I'd just forgotten how, how really good that movie is. And he only makes a film like once a decade or something. Yeah. Um so I'm really looking forward to it, but at the same time it's hard to get excited about it given what the subject matter <laughs> matter is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You're not like, oh, I'm so pumped to go and see the zone of interest. Like you know you're gonna be super depressed coming out of it <laughs> yeah you, you see people go oh, is it good and you're like i can't really say it's good because i didn't enjoy it but it's it's a it's a brilliant film you're not going to be breaking the biscuits out for it are you no no i, I you know it's yeah it's not it's not one to sing help sing about but it's um oh it's very good in terms of films being powerful that's like four it's very good it's very well done yeah so i've seen that i've also um you know obviously there's been like a whole heap of stuff I've seen since I last saw you both like eight years ago. <laughs> um, but I, I saw, so I, yeah, saw Zone of Interest. So um, I did see American Fiction last week as well, actually, which is really, really good, really bloody brilliant, actually. Um, you know, I'm sure you both know it's about Jeffrey Wright, who plays like a, a talented but frustrated writer who um, creates a book for a laugh because he's um, sick of the way white America treats black artists and you know how they fit in the literary world um and he's sick of it and writes a joke book and it becomes really popular <laughs> it's just like, oh, for God's sake. um but it, it it's brilliant it's it's like you've got that story which is like the obvious main plot line in the film but then around it is just this really touching funny sad tragic family drama going on as well which is just brilliant because I didn't I didn't know that was a, a big part of the film, but it is, and that's where you get the, you know, you see Sterling K. Brown has been nominated for best support. He's always he's always so good in everything. Before the nominations were announced, they definitely rushed the second trailer out. I had not I didn't even know he was in this film. Yeah, um, he wasn't in the trailers like the main trailers because I'd seen it quite a lot. I go to the Curzon Cinema, and they're really pushing it. I don't know whether they're involved in it. I think they are. Uh, uh, yeah, so they were pushing it quite a lot. He wasn't in the trailers at all, and then the nominations came out, and now he's in it, and they're really pushing him in it. He's brilliant in it. Um, obviously, Jeffrey Wright's great in it. It's one of the funniest films I've seen for a long time, and it is one of you know it definitely deserves to be up there in terms of best picture and stuff like that. It's it's a very good film. I think it's obviously the underdog of the lot, but um, it's a brilliant film. So yeah, definitely check that out. Another one I saw, I think I mentioned to you both on, on our little WhatsApp group, uh, an Argentinian film called When Evil Lurks. I've yes. heard about this. I heard about it, uh, yeah, from last year. It's, uh, yeah. That's, you know, it's great. That's what I love about Letterboxd. It's like all of a sudden, like all the cinephiles that you follow are suddenly watching this weird horror movie on, um, yeah. on Shudder. And you're like, oh, what is that? Oh, that poster looks interesting. Mm. That's exactly what it is. And it, I think the poster, I think it's got the Stranger Things font. It does. Which is great fun, but it's not like Stranger Things. Uh, it's a, a way darker than that. And yeah, I only saw it because I just kept seeing it pop up on my letterbox feed, as you say, James. Like, you know, just, just people kept watching it over the last few months. So it's like, I've, I've got to watch, you know, check this out. And it saw it on Shudder. 
Um, so yeah, decided to check it out. But I, honestly, it's an incredible, disgusting movie. Uh, that's just like you're watching it, just like, oh, <laughs> it's just that it's expression will not communicate over audio. Well, that was outstanding. <laughs> Oh, yeah, I, like with that one expression, I will immediately watch this now. Like it goes to the head of everything for me now because of that. It's interesting. Like it's very, it's quite similar. You know, as as you said, James, before with the True Detective, quite adjacent to the film we're covering tonight. This is another one. It's you know, it's there's really high on the practical effects. You know, it's it's, it's really sort of gruesome. And it's, it's it's hard to describe without giving too much away, but it's it's sort of like a apocalyptic horror about two brothers who live in like rural Argentina on like a farm, and they find a a, a demon infected man who's about to apparently give birth to evil itself. So they try and stop it from happening, but inadvertently just cause complete carnage <laughs> across right the farm. Like the, yes, it's, this sounds it's, amazing. It really does. Ugh. It's oh god, it's it's very good. Yeah, I highly highly recommend that film. It's very grim and very gross. But you know that like you get films like I don't know if you guys saw that Terrifier. Yes. Yeah, I, I've been put off that because it just sounds like it's just gorgeous for the sake of it. Exactly. Like it it is. I, I think Terrifier the villain is amazing. It's a great horror villain, and but it mm. just it just goes too far with the gore for me. It's just a bit like for the sake of it, like as you say. And it's just a bit like, oh, come on, you just, there's no reason for this other than you just being a bit of a sadist. Whereas in this, it's kind of like, there's reason for it. And you watch it go like, oh my God, but it works and it's very well done and it's just handled so brilliantly. Yeah, I'll stop going on about it. I don't want to spoil it, but it's, oh, it's, it's fantastic. So yeah, if you want to watch a scary, weird, creepy apocalypse film, <laughs> watch that. It's brilliant. I've, I've literally loaded it up to press play as soon as we finish recording tonight. Oh, wow. So I'm straight in there with a cup of soup after this. <laughs> so, yeah, that's, as I say, there's there's many other stuff, but um, I'm also catching up with Fargo season four I'm on. Ooh, heard, that's Rock interesting. One. Is that the Chris Rock one? Yeah, which I'm really enjoying as well. I love Fargo. Cool. Does he get uh, slapped by any A-listers impromptuly during... <laughs> <laughs> Uh-oh! Ah, Richard! Where's Richard! <laughs> ah, Richard! Um, but yeah, re- really enjoying Fargo. I'm, I'm getting it because I've heard season five is absolutely brilliant. Yes, so that's what I've I heard as well. I need to go back to season four because I did start it and I didn't quite click with it, but it's probably just because I was trying to watch 400 other things at the same yes. time. It's just too much. It's so it's too way much. too much. Everybody stuff. just needs to slow down. Anyway, Rob, what Bigfoot pictures have you been watching? <laughs> <laughs> Well, I don't know whether you heard the last episode, side, but um, I'm disillusioned with the Bigfoot world at the moment. Um, I know, no, of... I do, I do remember. I... Yeah, I've, <laughs> I'm to the point that tonight there isn't even a Bigfoot corner. Oh, what? Um... <laughs> this was the, this was the whole point of coming back. Oh, no, I think the Bigfoot world needs to make it up to me. More than anybody else before, before we continue. We need to plan um, FYR Bigfoot Corner, the side shoot Bigfoot Corner Live and do that <laughs> uh, nationwide tour of all the Bigfoot sightings in the UK. Oh, yes, yes. So That, uh, that you sent us in the channel. Um, 
in, in our WhatsApp group. And yeah. It's like, we, we should do this and record it. Take a year off work. <laughs> well, I, uh, having a look at it, we could do it in four days. <laughs> so I was sent uh, a image of... Uh, uh, let's uh, not forget the jingle, impromptu Bigfoot Corner. Oh, sorry, yeah. <laughs> oh, impromptu, <laughs> let's do it now. Okay. Bigfoot Corner. That's all I wanted. That's all I wanted. I don't care what go. the news okay. is. Just so, <laughs> in the Bigfoot Corner, um, I was sent a because uh, obviously I follow some um, accounts that do purport to offer Bigfoot evidence, uh, and uh, I uh, obviously enjoy that quite a lot. But I'm now very disillusioned after what happened at the end of Expedition Bigfoot. So it will take a lot to break down uh, this cold. These cold walls around my heart. Do you, do you feel? Um, do you feel conned, Rob? Do you feel like you've been conned? Uh, betrayed more than anything else. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I was sent this image of all the Bigfoot sightings in the UK over the last twenty years, and it actually reinvigorated a little, you know, a little spark that has been uh, otherwise subdued in recent months. Um, some greatness around us, Haslingdon, which is not very far away in Lancashire. Uh, Simon, you pointed out rather, char- <laughs> rather charmingly that Bigfoot had been practicing his short game at Ellesmere <laughs> Golf Club, of all places, uh, over near the Wirral. Uh, which is when did quite these sightings take place? I mean, is, is, oh, is, is the trail still in the last fresh? Years. <laughs> the trail is not fresh. <laughs> Some of the sightings on the map didn't even have uh, dates attached to it. But I do feel in a fortunate position when I'm being sent this kind of thing. You know, um, so if anyone will be a hot on the trail of the big brown machine, it will be, you know, it will be me. Uh, <laughs> well, there's there's that new movie coming out, isn't there, with Jesse Oof. Eisenberg, his, his own contribution to the to the pantheon of Bigfoot pictures. Yeah, I don't know yeah. how much Sasquatch actually has to do with the movie, apart from in the title. Um, so it's being reviewed so highly on uh, Rot- Rotten Tommies. Um, and I-, I don't know whether, you know, like, I-, I don't know whether it can live up to it. Is Lance Henriksen in it? That's the big question. <laughs> I don't think so. But as soon as he heard it was, you know, green lit, he was on the phone. Or at least his agent was. Yeah, I'm, I'm I don't know. Uh, I've seen the usual cavalcade of, you know, oh, look, there's a, you know, a Sasquatch in the yard and it's just, you know, like you watch the video and it's nothing. Uh, there is something uh, paradoilia, uh, I don't know how you say it, uh, which is where you see shapes that you want to see out of other shapes. So there's loads of pictures online of like, hey, look, there's a, a Bigfoot cloaking. And it's just a picture of a tree. It's I'm so disillusioned, and and you know it sounds it. I'm I'm a bit sad. I, I'm sad. I'm sad. Yeah. Do you know what? If anyone out there has any concrete evidence, please, <laughs> please get in touch. They've been sitting on it for a while. I, I'm going <laughs> yeah. to release it finally because Rob's a bit sad that big. <laughs> But you always get these people, like especially in America, where they're like, "Yeah, but I've been feeding him for eight months." Right? If you've been feeding him, can I have a video? <laughs> or like, right? I've been leaving stuff out for him for eight months, like nine months, oh, two dear. years, twenty years. He's been feeding this fella for years. We call him old, you know, old stinky or whatever. Just take a <laughs> photograph. Just put us out of our misery. If you can't, then you know, there we go. I'm sorry, but it's another harrowing 
depression of a Bigfoot corner. Bigfoot corner. I have heard that he is going to be uh, guesting on uh, jo- Common Sense with Joey Barton after Matt Letizia, so, you know. <laughs> after Matt Letizia busts the conspiracy. Yeah. Uh, and then the following week, you know, can you imagine what a massive mic drop at the end of an episode? <laughs> Joey's going to ask him what Thanks his view on female pundits is. <laughs> In fact, doesn't that sound like every other gammon-headed commentator? <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Right, sorry, that's enough. Uh, right, so what have I been watching? Um, I've been watching uh, Fortitude, or as our good friend Math Pickup said, uh, Mayor of Fortitude Town. <laughs> uh, I've been watching uh, Yellowstone, of course, because they they keep attacking our way of life. Uh, and... Uh, I've been watching, uh, oh, I watched uh, One Care, um, which was great. <laughs> Cried my eyes out at the end of that. Oh, I watched that um, as well, yeah. It's lovely. Um, with uh, Timmy Chalamet. Uh, Tim, doesn't Timmy Chalamet sound like someone from um, A Christmas Carol? <laughs> like, oh, don't do that. You'll damage Timmy Chalamet's legs. <laughs> <laughs> The kids very much enjoyed Wonka. I was left wondering at the end, because it's very wholesome. Wonka, the character of Wonka in the movie was really wholesome. You know, Chalamet's um, sort of incarnation, pure heart. Like, when did he get all sort of like, I want to know the sequel to this, basically. Yeah, when did he get all like aloof and manslaughtery? When did all that happen? Yeah, I was expecting like a a villain arc, like like the Joker. So we should... (laughs) Yeah, that's no, we're not getting what that. the sequel is, where where he decides to like terrorize children with his invention. This is it. So there's got to be some like key moments, but Hugh Grant outstanding as Lofty. Just Olivia Coleman's got in it, isn't she? Olivia Coleman's outstanding. As is, uh, is it Tom Davis? Tom Davis and um, Patterson Joseph from Peep Show. Right, Patterson Joseph Show. stole he a lot is for me. Fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> we're singing them songs all day, every day at the moment. Um, and when the kids don't want to do something, you know, like, 1,800 bucks, it. <laughs> that's the... Yeah, if you've seen the film, that's the that's the kicker. I was sure I'd seen something else in this morass of other stuff. I'm um, not sure I have. Oh, bed knobs and broomsticks. There's a hot take. <laughs> I saw Twister. You watched Twister the other day, didn't you? Oh, I did. Yeah, yeah. Superb. Oh, God. Absolute potty mouth central. We, that we've film. not I done totally Twister, forgot. have we? No, we haven't, no. Was that in honour of um, the pass- uh, the ten year anniversary of the passing of Philip Seymour Hoffman, Rob? That you put that film on. <laughs> it was. I'm so sorry. It wasn't. It was just because my <laughs> boy said, "I want to see people die from tornadoes." <laughs> so, I've got just the film. <laughs> I've got just the film. It's either that or the Richard Armitage. Uh, Prime Special, actually, which I can't remember the title of, which is also good, which is a little bit harder because it features a man being electrocuted and set on firewheel <laughs> while he's being sucked into a tornado, which my six-year-old son thought was magnificent. Primo <laughs> entertainment. <laughs> did, he, did he enjoy the cow being taken away by the tornado? And- very much, very much. He asked how they did that. Um, I, didn't, I didn't. It's real. I didn't ruin really, the illusion. Really, really I, I couldn't bring myself to do it. They murdered several um, cows. <laughs> yeah. 
With the wind. absolute horror that he now thinks that they took fans into a cow enclosure and just sent them airborne. Uh, because he did say halfway through it, how did they do this? Is there a behind the scenes? And I had to find a, yeah, I found a VHS uh, like upload of a making of of Yander Bont giving it the full beans on how they made Twister. He loved it. He loved it. Yeah, the this is great. I'm enjoying, enjoying all this. Oh, the Dial of Destiny. Dial a ride of destiny. <laughs> <laughs> so I think we have our detractors, principally on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think history will be so kind to this. I don't. I really do. <laughs> I think it will be completely forgotten. Fair dues, man. I actually can't remember it that much. <laughs> Which emphasises one of our points, brackets, it's not mine. <laughs> I need to watch it again. I wasn't a big fan, but... I, but the thing is, where, where Indy's very... Where Indy's concerned, I'm so soft. I'm so soft. I'll forgive anything, pretty much. Um, and I forget. Sounds like you're here. pretty hard for Indy, to be honest, rather than... <laughs> <laughs> Excellent gag. Enjoyable. Sorry, that's so babyish. So <laughs> yeah, you you do have a you do like a Indiana Jones, don't you? It's one of your favourites. It's like a Jurassic Park type thing. Like you would always love a Jurassic Park. Those two together. I mean, anything to do with those guys, those properties, I will probably forgive nearly anything. I would imagine. Um, although we've had the news this week that Jurassic Park's coming back. <sighs> David Kep. Swinging back oh, in. Give it a rest. <laughs> but to, right, so very genuinely, does the idea of David Kep writing these things does that does that excite, negate excitement? How do you feel? I mean, he's David Kep's an amazing screenwriter, but he also wrote Dial of Destiny, <laughs> you know, so. which means I'm really happy. So. And Tom Cruise is the mummy, so that suggests to me that he's only as good as the director who's working on the project, and apparently it's going to be David Leach who directed uh, masterpieces like uh, Hobbs and Shaw and Deadpool 2, so yeah, really up for it. Uh, just let Did he do Deadpool just, 2? Yeah, yeah. Just let it die. Oh, just let it go. Yeah. <laughs> Don't let it die. <laughs> Do you remember that Steven Spielberg directed the first two instalments in that franchise? And then we just had hack after hack after hack, <laughs> with the exception of J.A. Bayona, who just did that for the money for certain. Yeah. Which is the one you hate the most, isn't it? No, uh, oh, I hate that one the most out yeah, of Yeah, I was going to say. Yeah, yeah. Fallen Kingdom's really, really bad, but J.A. Bayona is a really good director, if you've seen any of his other movies. Like. That's why it's such a, like, a weird anomaly, that one, because... He, it is a real aberration, isn't it? Brilliant movies, and then it's just like, how did he do this? <laughs> it doesn't work. Which is also a brilliant good. movie. So. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. It all fits, you know. That's the one with the volcano and the dinosaurs in the haunted house, isn't it? Yeah, so none of those phrases should ever go and together. The clone but yes, girl. The... <laughs> no, don't. I don't. That's I don't. Amazingly, the same movie. I, so <laughs> I, like... I, I have a problem with Clone Girl. I, yeah, forget, forget no. about Clone Girl. But it, it, the thing with Jurassic Park is that you're just never gonna recapture what the no. first one did because no. you'd never seen it before. You can't. So yeah, you're you're in the cinema yeah. like in awe of these dinosaurs. You're yeah, like, hell, they're there. This is brilliant. It's never going to happen again because you can't do it. It's impossible. Yeah. So they decided no, to make it like Jason Bourne instead, which was just, <laughs> <laughs> just so weird. Uh, 
I did watch uh, Dominion again recently. Uh, oh, look at his wavering. He knows it's rubbish. I'm <laughs> struggling with that. I am struggling with it a bit. There's some bits that I really love about it, but there's some bits that are absolute toilet water. <laughs> yeah, the no, bugs. The bugs are great. Oh, that's so funny, that isn't so it? So bad. Why are they? A world of dinosaurs where you could pick. Oh, it's just locusts. <laughs> <laughs> You will have our dinosaurs in your dinosaur movie. <laughs> oh my god! Uh, Bloody locust! Oh no! Don't don't! It's, oh. it's uncomfortable. That really uncomfortable. Uh, but they made it in COVID. They made it to entertain us. You know, we were in a bad place. <laughs> Uh, I enjoyed bits of Dominion. I have to admit, I, I, I don't. I, I didn't enjoy the, the some of its parts, but I thought some of the parts were quite good. <laughs> what a quote that is, by yeah. the way. Not one for a poster. <laughs> a really great quote. <laughs> I remember I read a review for Dominion, and one of it it was like one of those little one line reviews on Rotten Tomatoes. I think it was for this or for for a comic book movie or something. And the quote, well, I can't, wish I could remember the reviewer because it just said, it was just a question, what are we even doing anymore? <laughs> question. <laughs> it might not have been Dominion, but it was a Dominion-esque sort of blockbuster. <laughs> like, critic had just completely lost the will. Like, what are we doing anymore? <laughs> well, can we go? I don't know how we've ended up talking about Dominion again, <laughs> but can we go from the ridiculous, which even I can admit it is, to the sublime with tonight's film? Yes, absolutely. Um, Let's get into it. So, Sai, it's with great pleasure I can say it's your pick. It is. What um, have you got for us? I was kind of like, because it's been a while and I was just, I, I can't find my list anywhere. I have a list of films to cover and I can't find. Twister was on there. Should I should remember Twister. And I was like, because it's been a while, let's come back with something pretty good. Kind of cheating to pick it. But he still does qualify, I think, hopefully, which we'll sort of find out <laughs> soon enough. Um, but yeah, wh- why not? So do, you, do, do, do we need an intro? Is this the intro? Just give us a logline, dude. Tell us. Okay. So, uh, an uber-manly research facility in Antarctica comes across an alien force that can become anything it touches. Uh, The team, led by beardy hunk Kurt Russell, (laughs) must challenge paranoia and their own sensitive masculinity to find out who is human and who is not before it's too late. This is, of course, John Carpenter's 1982 classic, The Thing. Some of you are still human. 
This thing doesn't want to show itself. It wants to hide inside an imitation. It'll fight if it has to, but it's vulnerable out in the open. If it takes us over, then it has no more enemies. Nobody left to kill it. And then it's one. You guys gonna listen to Gary? He can beat one of those things! Just keep doing it. It's honestly it's so iconic. I can't I can't bear it. <sighs> Sigh, the thing. How uh, right, uh, never mind because I know why you would bring this to talk about. How is this possible? Like so right. Ah, there's so many questions. The thing. What is your relationship with the thing? Well, I mean, yeah, like I you know, I think as you both know and everyone knows nowadays that it's sort of regarded as an absolute classic of not only the sci-fi genre but just in films in general i think it's generally seen as one of the best remakes ever um made from is it a film from the 50s the thing yeah. from out of space yeah. is that what it was called um you know and it's just generally always regarded as you know really up there you know, we have a history of it as a group. We've mentioned it a few times in here when yeah. we watched it together at the oh. fabled sci-fi weekender, which Greatness. was just it's just great times. Um and I haven't seen it for a while, so I figured it was a good excuse to do so. <laughs> um and, and I just uh, it was like I kind of vaguely knew about the reception on release and thought we could actually do this for the podcast, I think. Are we? Is it bending the rules? I, I don't know, but we'll you know we'll we'll sort of find out. Why. So a podcast, mate. Hey, well, one. yeah, but you know, but I think uh, there's there's plenty there's certainly plenty to chat about regarding the movie and why it would need to be reconsidered for certain people of 1982. <laughs> but yeah, it's a great fucking movie. <laughs> oh, it is, uh, James. Your relationship with the thing, please. So, uh, it's funny that uh, Simon mentions the uh, Prestatin uh, weekend at the uh, SFX sci-fi convention, which was the 12-year anniversary this past weekend, if you guys have... Oh, seriously? Oh, Oh, boys! Yeah, oh, God, we're old as dirt, honestly. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, an incredibly funny uh, weekend, which was uh, the highlight of which, for me, was seeing the thing for the first time on the big screen at that weekender. Uh, so you'd never seen it before? No, that, no. Well, you'd never seen it before? I'd never, wow, I've never seen brilliant. it before. Whoa, that hallowed moment was your first watch? Yeah, yeah, surrounded by nerds and it's smelling of bitter farts and overcooked <laughs> fried chicken and people dressed as Na'vi <laughs> and that lad from Red Dwarf wandering around. <laughs> 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 so yeah, that's when I took in the majesty of the thing uh, for the first time, and I've probably it's probably the film I've watched the most over the last decade. I've seen it at least four or five times now. I own the Dude, this is I own the pristine so collector's good. edition 4K. Oh, it's so attractive that set. Yeah, um, which has the 2011 uh, reboot prequel type thing on uh, included, which shocked in. Yeah, which we might. Uh, we might uh, touch on 
as we move through. Yeah, I think we could. And yeah, just that was it was great watching that movie with you guys and uh, all those oh. other nerds that weekend. And yeah, that's my relationship. <laughs> <too>. <laughs> So, so how like can I just like on that weekend itself like how did it grab you like when we watched it that night like was it like instantly in your head like wow that's a good movie I thought it was incredible yeah like I knew it had a big reputation but you know sometimes when things have a huge reputation you don't always get round to them for fear of being disappointed yeah, yeah, or yeah, it's yeah, been yeah. overhyped and I always liked Carpenter I don't know why I'd never. I don't, although at that time, I don't think I'd seen a lot of his. I hadn't seen Prince of Darkness or The Fog or Christine or I hadn't seen a lot of his filmography. I'd seen like Halloween. Yeah, yeah. I hadn't seen uh, Escape from New York. In fact, I hadn't seen a lot of his filmography outside of Halloween, really. And oddly, Starman, <laughs> uh, <laughs> which is also good. Um, and also about an alien. So, yeah, I've just, I remember sitting down to watch it. I was a bit apprehensive because I was just going to be. Dead scary and dead gross. I knew it had a bit of a reputation. I just thought it was one of the best like sci-fi horror thrillers that I'd ever watched. As well, I like one of my top five films is uh, Ridley Scott's Alien, and I thought, is it going to be sort of a poor imitation of this? And there's there's some shared DNA with that film, but ultimately, it's yeah an entirely different beast. And they're, they're both yeah. masterpieces, in my humble opinion. Absolutely, my absolute <laughs> adoration for every word you just said there, James. Um, this was one of those where, for me, I was aware of it. I was aware of its legacy, but didn't get a chance to watch it until I watched it from the incredible VHS library at our old university. Oh, um, wow. nice! Did you watch it in the library, or did you take it home to watch it? I took it home <laughs> yeah. and watched it one night, and it was just like. Uh, I wasn't ready for that. Um, also, I wasn't ready for watching, um, like, as anyone knows who knows me or listens to this will know that physical effects mean the absolute world. So watching this was just like, whoa, whoa, mind-blowing, brilliant. But it's also, it's not just that. Like, any, you know, there is obviously a, um, a monumental skill in effective physical effects, but there's also, can you do it in tandem with an incredible story? And this story, th- this movie did, you know, t- for pure narrative effect. Um, it was horrible. It was terrifying. It was deeply unsettling and utterly gross in the most cool of ways. <laughs> like Some of the deaths and stuff that goes on in this is so outrageously <laughs> sick. I love it all. I'm so buzzing about it and I'm buzzing to talk about it. I was buzzing to watch it after you said it, Si. I'm just excited. Uh, like, totally excited. This is one of my absolute favourites of all time and it mm, always, always, always will be. And I dare say that that moment, like, it was a favourite of all time. Then we watched it in Prestatin. That gold encrusted it. That experience with you guys uh, and our brother TJP, Tom Pickett, encrusted that as a gold standard cinema movie experience for the and ages. And was math there as well? Math? No, math it was the four of us. Just the four of us, yeah. Uh, Just the uh, four I of us. Was there, was no, no. Um, so Unless I think he was I, dressed sat- as a stormtrooper and we didn't see him. <laughs> 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 or the geezer in the papier-mâché Jabba the Hutt outfit. <laughs> Some cracking cosplay going on there. Honestly, you guys, you have no idea the sights we saw that weekend. Brian Blessed. Second-rate milkman <laughs> Han Solo. <laughs> Uh, but it must dare to qualify. Yeah. Sorry? 
Is this critical reception? Well, yeah, like, as, as mad as it may seem watching this movie now and sort of knowing the cultural heft it sort of holds and the sort of legacy it's got, not only as a sci-fi film, but, you know, as a vehicle for great VFX and, you know, tension and all that sort of stuff. But yeah, The Thing was absolutely hammered by the US press on release. Didn't go down well at all. Uh, Vincent Camby of the New York Times said, Carpenter has demonstrated that he can make good, comparatively plain, old-fashioned scare movies and effective suspense thrillers, but he he seems to lose his own head when he combines two or more genres, as he does here. It's too phony-looking to be disgusting and qualifies only as instant junk. <laughs> Wasn't the wasn't the Ugh. only one to to be down on the film? Gary Arnold of the Washington Post called it a wretched excess, and David Kerr of the Chicago Tribune called Carpenter's direction slow, dark, and stately. He seems to be aiming for an enveloping novelistic kind of effect, but all he gets is heaviness and boredom. <laughs> um, and Sorry, not even not even Ebes liked it. Um, oh he no, thought it was a he thought it was a pale imitation of Alien. Um, and said it wasn't worth watching because that did it better as well as the original did it better. And I think ultimately, you touched on it a second ago, James, I think that this, what's this, three years after yeah, Alien? Yeah. Probably still in the conscious of, of, of sort of critics, certainly critics. And I think that's possibly why one of the reasons why it suffered critically was, you know, coming so soon after what is... And at the time was regarded as like a complete game changer of a film yeah. in both sci-fi and in horror. It was always going to be directly compared to that because of the similar vibes it gets. I do think they are different enough. I yeah. don't think it's, you know, it's it's not. I think John Carpenter himself said he didn't. He wanted to avoid the man in a suit aesthetic. He definitely which he did didn't that. Like in Alien. <laughs> yeah, like he didn't. You know, didn't didn't want it to be just like a you know like a. Um, yeah, as he said, just a, a man in a suit running around who wants something to be more otherworldly other and just bizarre. And, and that comparison to Alien has just killed it on arrival, I think. I think it's the body horror elements, isn't it? Yeah. that Where people make that sort of lazy comparison because obviously you have your chestbursters sequence and all the, yeah. all the sort of gnarly imagery in Alien and then there's quite a lot of body horror going on within the yeah. thing. I mean, I think it's got some stuff that really does compare to the chestburst and we'll get into it when we get into the individual kills, mm. like uh, you know, a husky getting getting plugged in the chest is it's uh, <laughs> <laughs> an image I won't soon forget. And a guy's head literally splitting in half and chomping on another guy. It's like, it's unreal. How good is this movie? Come on. <laughs> yeah, but it's just absolutely amazing. But yeah, to to think that in 1982 that was seen as hokey and not realistic enough yeah. to, to have worked. It was a, a view shared by quite a lot of US critics. Um, obviously, over time... You know, we we've said it a few times. It's it's now become a bit of a masterpiece these days. Yeah, and all those sort of positive retrospective reviews have since boosted the Rotten Tomato score to eighty five percent, and it's got a whopping ninety two percent of an audience score. So oh, yeah. now everyone loves it and sees it as this classic. We all know it is. Um, but I do. But uh, Metacritic kind of reflects more the opinion of nineteen eighty two. If we're looking at the the boiled down score of it, um, yeah. that's down as 57 on there. Oh! 
Is it in the realms of oh, no, just that, about? For me, that's a genuine qualifier. It's in the 50s. Yeah. It's a genuine qualifier. I'm amazed. I, I'm still amazed. Is it like, you just mentioned there about like the time that it was in, but is it like the... the, the like in in hindsight, the breadth of time allows us to have room for both this and yeah. you know Alien. Like certainly, I've never looked at the two of them as similar or the same, mm. but I can imagine it in the microcosm of three years in cinema to look at that and go like, ah, yeah, they're quite you know quite similar yeah. or whatever. You know, whereas now we can look back and go, look, there's been like thirty, forty years of mm. cinema since then. They're obviously not the same. Yeah, I mean, I, I I don't know what was. I haven't looked properly into it. I can't quite remember. I wasn't born. Um, but <laughs> in terms of those intervening years between the two, I don't think you're going to get many sci-fi horror movies. So you're just going to look at the the last best one. And yeah, that's the, the you know that's your reference point, and then you're just going to go. Oh, you're going to spend the whole film going. Oh, it's not Alien, is it? Yeah, I, I think we've mentioned it before. I I've certainly mentioned it before, and it. John Carpenter in general, his films just always seem to be they take a little while ahead don't of they? the curve, yeah, ahead mm. of the time, yeah, and they do take a while for people to get on board with them and realize, holy shit, this is actually really, really good. And I think he said on, I think he has said this is his favorite of his films. Yes, he has, yeah, and was one he was sort of deeply gutted about with the reception of it because. It changed his career, really. He was he was on for doing massive things after this. He was slated to do several. I think he was slated to do um, Firestarter, the Stephen King film, which got taken off him because this got this bombed. And uh, and there's there's a there's a quote. I can't remember who he was speaking to about this, but there was a, a quote. I think it was Fanny Fair or something like that. On the failure of the film, he said, "I take every failure hard. The one I took the hardest was the thing." My career would have been different if that had been a a big hit. The movie was hated, even by science fiction fans. They thought that I had betrayed some kind of trust, and the piling on was insane. Even the original movie's director, Christian Nyby, was dissing me. (laughs) So it was a wide panning for this film and for John Carpenter himself. And I hope he feels vindicated now, but it's just, it's I just, how have they got this so wrong? I love the idea that John Carpenter feels, might listen to this and feel like, well, you yeah, know what, yeah. guys? <laughs> yeah. I feel all right after all this time. John, if there's any, if you all, if there's any doubt, it's a masterpiece, but it so is. I mean, I wish John Carpenter would listen to this, but we'll, we'll... <laughs> we can live in hope. He's too busy playing Xbox. Yeah. <laughs> I dare say he'd love to have been in that audience at Prostatin 12 years ago. Oh, he would have. Oh, God. He'd love that. that. They was cheering. Oh, they yeah. Were cheering Superb. for this. Yeah. Perfect environment to watch that movie. Oh, definitely. Mm. What other Carpenter films have we done? We've done Big Trouble in China. Is that the only one? I think one that's the only one we've done. done. Yeah. I mean, there has been mention think. of In the Mouth of Madness or whatever that film is. Yeah, so um, our sister podcast, The Tapes, did that, and I was a guest on that one, and it is oh, also right. outstanding. Yeah, I did Prince of Darkness with Chris as well. Yeah, you yes, did, didn't Prince you? Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, both great movies. Yeah, Prince of Darkness is yeah. wild. It's so good. Just just a tube <laughs> tube full of Satan in a in a uh, in a church basement. Like off we go. We're yeah. off to the races. <laughs> <laughs> the other two films in the supposed apocalypse trilogy of John Carpenter along with this film. So yeah, good good trio of John Carpenter films. Awesome. So we know that it got absolutely yes, yeah, 
denigrated in the, the the critical community. Budget and box office, though, James. I mean, how are we looking? Yeah, it didn't fare great, to be honest, on release. So the thing was released in the United States on June 25th, 1982. I mean, it doesn't scream summer movie to me. It doesn't, you know, does it? But, uh, it's cold. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, during its opening weekend, the film earned $3.1 million from 840 theatres, finishing uh, as the number eight film of the weekend behind supernatural horror, Poltergeist, oh! which was in its fourth weekend of release. Wow. And then uh, the thing dropped out of the top ten gro- grossing films after three weeks and ended its run earning a total of $19.6 million against its $15 million production budget. And then when you take into account marketing costs and things, it will have definitely lost money. Mm. One of the things that I, ca- I read a lot when I was researching into this, there was another Alien film that came out earlier in that summer, and it seems Rob's to favorite. me that uh, John Carpenter has a bigger beef with E.T. even than you, Rob, <laughs> because everybody who worked on this movie sort of blames E.T. for causing the thing to bomb because that was so hopeful and optimistic about encounters with Alien. <laughs> <laughs> Whereas this is the most nihilistic treatment of visitors from another planet imaginable. <laughs> Do you know what else I found out? You know, the, the summer of 1982 was a good time to go to the movies in America because you know what else came out on the same day as the thing and bombed something that is seen as a Blade classic Runner, these days, yes. Blade. was Ridley Scott's Blade Runner, yes. Uh, so you could have done a double bill of Blade Runner and The Thing. What a, dub- what a weekend. What? On the same day. And then gone and seen Poltergeist and E.T. for a little pick-me-up afterwards. <laughs> but imagine like you had like a random week, you know, like you'd gone to check out the new film today, hadn't read anything about it. Yeah. Watched The Thing and Blade Runner and gone, oh, guys, I think I've watched like two of the best movies ever made. <laughs> And then you go, you go like, oh, I'll, I'll see what I'll see what the Chicago Tribune have got to say. See if they agree with me. And then it's like, this is rubbish. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I don't even want, I don't know what to say or do about that. I mean, obviously, I feel like ET as a sinister alien was a companion piece to the thing. So um, <laughs> I, I, that doesn't surprise. Like, uh, two films about the same topic. Yeah. <laughs> but one of them made $750 million worth. <laughs> yeah, that's true. One of them dead on arrival. <laughs> but yeah, what, the summer of 1982, oh. everyone always says that the 80s were a barren land for cinema, but that four-week period was pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the 80s, uh, 80s movies are the absolute business. Let's just put it where it is. Thank you. That's incredible, that. To hear that, and I love hearing about the context of why a film, certainly at the box office, might live or die or whatever. I mean, I'm assuming that in the grand scheme of things, the thing has done all right on VHS and DVD and all that kind of stuff. Oh, but... it's been reissued so many times. There's, it's available on 4K <sighs> now. There's collector's editions. There'll be another massive, no doubt, when there's a uh, the 50 year. Anniversary they'll do, um, which is closer than you might think. Actually, yeah, Jesus, <laughs> there'll be a, another reissue on whatever the new format is by that point. I'll, I'll accept a, it a, a brain chip, like just on my skull, yes. <laughs> so I can plug it in. Me, can... Elon. <laughs> Elon. <laughs> uh, so let's let's go straight into the movie itself because 
you know, obviously, we, we, there's a lot to discuss here. At this point, can I ask um, about the prequel? Because, or, or the, the the reboot prequel, the prebute, uh, the pre... With the same name, why is the it pre-quote? the same name? That's, <laughs> that's problematic. Because oh, it's just trading off IP, that's all it is. It's, so, yeah. um, James, I know it came with your set, didn't it? Yes, it did, Jeff. And did you watch it? Yes, I've watched it uh, for the first time last week. I'd never got round to it. And it was sort of what I expected it to be, which was sort of like, so it deals with the Norwegian researchers who did, who made the discovery. I didn't think it was terrible, for starters. I didn't think it was good either. But it wasn't the disaster mm. that it was pegged as when it when it first came out. Yeah, I think. And that, that director is not. I can't pronounce his name. He's got like a. He's got a um, Scandinavian name that I can't pronounce. And um, he hasn't worked in Hollywood since oh, this really? film came out. But you know, Joel Edgerton's in it, and Mary Elizabeth Winstead's in it. You know, it's got a yeah. decent cast. The CG's pretty rubbish. But mm. for me, it just felt like it's almost like a beat for beat remake of. Carpenter's film, but set before it with different researchers, and then like everything that they do just isn't quite as good as what they did in the yeah. Carpenter one. So yeah, yeah. instead of the blood test sequence, they have a sequence where they're looking <laughs> in each other's mouths to see if they've got fillings or not, because they figure out that the thing can't replicate metal or whatever. And like, uh, there's chopper sequences as well, which are similar, and the CG transformations have aged really poorly. It's proper like PS3 yeah. type yeah, graphics on some that, yeah. of that CG. And ultimately, I was watching it, I was just like, and then it, for me, I was just like, this only exists for like the mid credit sting where it leads into the Carpenter film. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I liked it a lot more than I thought. I did too, if I'm honest. Because I was going to ask, Sai, what did you think? Because you did you watch it this week as well, or yeah, which was, it was a good. Um, I'm glad. I'm glad we we sort of all watched it really to sort. Yeah, of, I, I mean, it makes you realise how good the thing is. More but, mainly, um, yes. <laughs> but I, I I thought it was I thought it was quite good because again, you sort of led to believe that it's this absolute dumpster fire of a movie. Yeah, and, you know, it's terrible and. You know, I I I love Joel Edgerton. I like he he's one of those people for me that I just watch and enjoy him no matter what the film is. And there were there were a lot of it I really liked about it. Mm. Um, I thought Mary Elizabeth Winstead was great in it as well. I thought she was, yeah, yeah. it was a good sort of dynamic to to change the the, the like lead around. And um, the guy from Game of Thrones is in it with a big ginger beard. <laughs> he's one of the Norwegian guys. Oh, he's a legend! Isn't he? um, what a dude! And it was just. One of those films where you're just a bit frustrated because you're like, this could have been really good. Yeah. Like yes. as a, a up to date remake that still did its own thing. But it's the the frustration is it is it's gone. One of the best things about the original thing, the remake thing, or whatever I'm going to call it, the original thing. Yeah, is the prosthetics in it, the VFX, mm. and for them to make a conscious decision not to do any of that in this prequel reboot thing was so such an odd decision because the i think the first time not the first time you see it because you see it break you know you you've got all the links to the film yeah so in in the you they pull out the block of ice and you you see it escape in that room which they recreated very faithfully like the the norwegian base is brilliant like they've obviously really painstakingly got the detail really right and some it. of the deaths and, as well you know like people yeah, being found die you know dead in the yeah, same they, way yeah they, they, they there's a lot of ways you know they the axe in the wall and stuff like that 
you know, yeah. sort of add up and, and slot really well into when you're leading into Carpenter's one. And then when they first see the alien, it's all practical and it's under the thing. It looks very alien. It's like kind of mm. like a big face hugger type thing. And you're like, cool, this is great. And then they just abandon that. Yeah. <laughs> just yes. CGI the rest of it. And you're just like, ah, it's such a shame. because it's, it's frustrating, yeah. Yeah, it, it did a lot of things good. And I do think as a lead in to watch the, the, the big one. you know, The, 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 the big one. Out, yeah. <laughs> the main event. It's got some nice little touches in it that sort of link it together. And that post-credit sting is really good. The fact that he doesn't speak English in the team yeah. and things like that is... is Little things like that, I thought. I think it's it's quite good. It's just, yeah, you know, reeks of studio interference a little bit. Yeah. Obviously, a director yeah. who was new to Hollywood and then just binned and thrown under the bus. So awful that, awful. Because he's obviously very good. Because he he made a very serviceable movie. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's all right. It's all right. I think it's worth watching. I, I think oh, as well. Yeah. What I need to remember is that that the prequel reboot, whatever you want to call it, it's not made for me. It's made for a new audience who haven't seen the 1982 film. So obviously there's no tension really in it for me. It's pretty obvious that if you've seen the original thing, that all the Norwegian researchers are dead. (laughs) 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 Um, So so it's quite a nice exercise in connecting the dots from the original film. But yeah, it's not going to work for somebody who's... No, it's not going to work as well, I should say, for somebody who's seen the original and knows what they're getting themselves into. But if you were like, you know, if you'd never seen the 1982 version, I think that would be a good sort of introduction mm. into that. And then it might like inspire you to go and watch uh, the Carpenter film. So th- th- I find that th- that's a really, really interesting point. And I think it's it's strange because, right, so this night, this week, I watched the prequel then the 82 yeah back to back without i didn't even have a wee break between the two movies had a wee break about an hour into the thing because i'm in my 40s and i had to (laughs) (laughs) but like i i i went straight through from one to the other things that staggered me was um the tone and flavor of the prequel um changed uh and started seamlessly going into the 82 version. So, like, the even the colour scheme just changed just a touch, and then it became almost seamless. Yeah. Genuinely, to... to Because it, it, the end of the first one, and sorry, the prequel ends with the dog on the ice running and all this kind of stuff. The guys get in the helicopter to chase the dogs, trying to shoot it down, all that kind of stuff. And it was all about, like, the angles became suddenly, like, that you're hiding the... By the time you're going through the credits of the prequel, you're hiding the identity or the faces of the Norwegian crew that are in the thing. In the thing, sorry, you can't say the thing when you're talking about the prequel thing. <laughs> when they're in the helicopter. And it was very seamless. And I'm telling you, I as soon as I got to the end of the movie, I pressed play on the... Uh, the 82 version so i went from one to the other in minutes and it really really worked oh, what it, it worked so well that it absolutely decimated any tension in the 82 <laughs> version because you knew exactly what was going on and that the yeah, dog was yeah, yeah. you know like carrying the you know also though have you noticed that like so i saw I, obviously in researching i've not done a great deal of research because yeah but <laughs> 
the the I found out that the and I checked it myself. The um the subtitles for the Norwegian guys when they get off, you know, so at the start of the thing, the eighty two thing, yeah. when the the dog runs to the camp. The music's absolutely insane. The music, by the way, seamless between the two movies. You could play it through and it will link because they do the Morricone score at the end of the prequel yeah, into yeah. the new one, which is it's superb. Anyway, the dog runs to the camp. The guys come out and the Norwegian dude jumps out of the <laughs> the helicopter and he's all like, you know, ah, you know, shouting at them all this kind of stuff. And at the bottom of the screen, it says, the dog is an alien thing. <laughs> you know, just, right, there we go. Right, great, super. So if you've got, if you happen to have subtitles on, the tension is gone as well. So um, if anything, like, it's, it's isn't it wonderful that a movie that does wants to work so hard, preserve the mystery, preserve the mystique and enhance the experience of the 1982 version, a version that was 20 years, 30 years earlier, is still outstripped by the version 30 years earlier <laughs> yeah, in yeah. every department. And I mean that with total love and respect to both things. Because I think the people that made the Thing prequel really loved it, actually. Yeah, I think they really tell, yeah. tried to do the best. And like you say, Si, there's so many elements in it that are so faithfully recreated. They just don't get near to the absolute animalistic, visceral quality of... That movie, yeah, and I don't think anything does. I, I really don't think anything does. It's a weird, like, dub- double-edged sword, really, isn't it? Because while I do like those little Easter eggs and the little linky bits, it's kind of the reason I don't like Alien Covenant that much mm. because it mm. erases all the mystery of the original Alien film. Yeah. Mm. Because it's trying so hard to sew the, the the story threads together and join them up. And, and and you probably got this more, cause, Rob, because you watched it directly after the yeah. other one. As you say, it did zap the tension of the 82 one. So all those little mysteries, you know, when McCready goes to the Norwegian camp and it's just all oh. sort of just everything's been burnt down and they see like the videos of what they found and they ca- they, they're starting to piece it together yeah. Yeah. along with us. If you go into that film knowing what it is, <laughs> it's that, all that's gone. You're so right. It is made with a lot of love, and because I know the thing so well, I kind of enjoyed it because of that. Yeah. But then you're like you're you're losing something from what makes that original one so good. Yeah. Because of all those mysterious bits you're trying to figure out, as much as McCready and the rest of the yeah. crew are trying to figure out as the film goes on. And I think Carpenter said a similar thing with uh, Halloween, with Rob Zombie's Halloween. Versions. Oh, two of the most awful movies ever made. Yeah, he gave a backstory <laughs> to Michael Myers, and Carpenter's like, "But that's the whole point of Halloween. Yeah. You don't know. There's no explanation for what this thing is. You don't know whether it's he's yeah, just a that. big, strong yeah. guy, or he's a he's demonic, or whatever. And you just kind of taken all that away because you've just given him back. You made him trailer trash, basically. <laughs> yeah, made him an angry trailer <laughs> trash person, and. I think that's one of the things I love about John Carpenter's films and his style is there's always that weird, mysterious, unexplainable element to everything. Mm. So you've got like Escape from New York when he when he, and you just see shadows running and you don't know who they are. Yeah, and they're just running like Assault on Precinct Thirteen. It's never explained who the people who yeah, Assault just, on Precinct they're just is. Bad, they're just baddies. Yeah, just just baddies. <laughs> just never explained. Love that stuff. And, all those, like, you know, Halloween, as I just said, 
there's always that weird tone of like I don't really know what's going on here and it's making me a bit uneasy watching yeah. it. And I think there's a shot in this one which is like the perfect sort of explanation of that is when the dog comes in and he's just mooching around the uh, the base and he goes into a room and you just see the shadow of yeah. one of the guys on the wall. You don't know who it is. Yeah. And I'm, I'm pretty sure it's not one of the actors. It's just a randomer <laughs> because you can see you can't recognise who it is. Who is the first one to get taken over by the thing and the prequel just erases all of that <laughs> stuff unfortunately it's true it is true so it's it, it's a, it's an odd one it's an odd one with that with that prequel but i did i liked it it's just good but no i i i think like if you go into something with a lot of love that can come across and i think that's what did come across in that film but at the same time it's just Sadly, it's just not as good. Yeah, no, it's just it's real. not as good, and and the thing exists in its own little. It should be able to exist in its own little microcosm of greatness, I think. But um, because I think so much of the thing and its potency relies on the fact that you don't know who's got it, or the fact that it's transmissible, or anything like that. So what it means is when you do the reboot in the way that they did this reboot, or prequel, or prequel, or whatever you call it, like it's like. We've seen two sets of scientists come to terms with and discover that there's an alien organism replicating, you know, the organisms it's take it takes over so as to blend in before taking them over as well or killing them. And it's like, so when you see that in the thing, it's unbelievably horrible. And especially when you see it in person. I mean, it will still always be hollow. Anything that happens in the thing, 1982, is infinitely more awful than anything <laughs> that happens in the thing 19, uh, yeah. 2011. Yeah. I'm just glad I didn't see the 2011 one before I saw the Carpenter one because it would have I think oh, it would have yeah, spoiled yeah, yeah. it for me. Yeah. A- yeah. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. yeah. 100%. And I think you you know we've we've mentioned about the, the CGI in the, in the prequel but again one of the things what makes the 82 one so good is and the reason why proper practical VFX in this instance of big weird aliens or whatever, and it's all got that sliminess to it, and yeah, and and it does look you you know you can tell it's puppetry. You can tell that, of course, Ooh. which I think maybe the animation in CGI is is probably better, but it feels like it's there and it looks like it's there, and it's because exactly. it's got that it's got that like you can smell it and you can feel the yeah. sliminess of it and stuff, and you don't get that with CGI stuff. It's amazing to me that people watched this in 82 and thought it wasn't very good <laughs> in terms of the prosthetics. I think that this is... You know sometimes when a film's coming down the pike and you just know that people are like winding up to give it a give it a kick in, basically? Yeah. This, at the time... So horror was still seen very much as a B-movie genre at that time, and you didn't spend lots of money on horror projects. And this is... $15 million is a big budget for a... For a horror film back in 1982, mm. and I think people, I think a lot of critics saw this coming, and it's like, what you spent all that money on on just trying to gross out the audience and doing and missing the point of what the story is actually aiming for and the tension and things like that. So I think a lot of the critics were maybe just it's just speculation, just winding up, ready to <laughs> ready to clock this thing as soon as it come down. How dare you yeah. try and make a real movie with a real budget? Yeah. when it's just a tawdry horror story. Yeah, I I agree, and because that happens now, like you know the 
Lone Ranger, remember the Lone Ranger? Like six months out, all the critics were just getting ready. Right, here it comes. We're going to absolutely smash this to pieces as soon as it comes down. I mean, in retrospect, yeah, uh, probably deserved it. (laughs) (laughs) Given who was in the talent involved. Um, But... uh, But yes, that it was certainly a sense that everybody was winding up to give that film a kick in, and I sort of get the sense with this, like, oh, this is horror. How how dare you try and make a proper film um, in this genre? Yeah. How dare you excite me genuinely? Oh, gosh. You can't spend this kind of money on this filth, basically. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, 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 you know, doing touching th- on themes that I, I guess horror films weren't, well, I guess they were were do because like Rosemary's Baby was the seventies, wasn't it? Yeah. And mm. Alien as well, but I, I guess in this, you it's remade from a B movie, isn't it? Yeah, that'll mm. be it as well. The, people will have been just as snobby about remakes in the eighties as they are nowadays. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And and they're going in expecting this B movie thing, but it's got this these added layers of, you know, masculinity and. Um, deep-rooted trust issues and I was reading today which I'd never clocked before that there was undertones of like the AIDS crisis because it was a you don't know who's infected yeah, all, yeah. all the blood because I think that there was uh, I was reading that the blood test bit was basically was a direct reference to the AIDS crisis where that's how you knew like people were normal they looked normal they uh, behaved normal but then when you tested the blood you could see who had HIV and AIDS so is that is that is that a genuine thing the filmmakers did, or is that like just what people I said? Be, I believe it's so. A reading yeah. within the text, I think it's like, definitely there. If... Yeah, yeah, like an yeah. interpretation, yeah. I, I guess. Um, Jeez. But, but yeah, so it's doing all those things as well because I think I think it's actually very interesting that it's it's an all male. Yeah. Crew, and you never find yeah, out what they're even doing there. It, you don't know what they're researching. Yeah, you don't know what they're doing. <laughs> no, I love that. I love that. It, 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 it makes for that tension because they're all like on edge and you know they're all being arsy to each other because they're all just these hyper masculine men you know that, that living together and i think that's what makes it work a lot of it that it is just a, a, a base of blokes and that's why the sort of trust bit is a big part of it the mistrust between them yeah is such a big part of it the the cast and i don't mean the cast of actors which is brilliant but i mean the cast of characters is outstanding for me. Yeah, I, I, I like. You almost know them all, don't you? Inside they're all very out. distinctive. And yeah, some of them are barely given any screen time or anything like that. You know, it's it's astonishing. Yeah, so there's obviously scientists, and then there's McCready, who's the he's a pilot, isn't he? Yeah, the, the helicopter pilot of the base, and then you've got luscious hair, the the chef guy, who's kind of when you first see him, he's kind of dressed like um. Yafet Koto in Alien, he's got like his <laughs> yeah. little, yeah, yeah. He's got his little headband on, and he's got the same sort of open shirt with a vest on underneath. I don't know whether that was intentional, like a, a sort of tribute to him in Alien. He's roller skating around the base, <laughs> yeah, legend. Yeah, roller skating around the base, listening to Stevie Wonder, legend. Which apparently wasn't in the original theatrical cut. They, they added it back in afterwards, yeah, because oh, they couldn't they, get the license for the song. Too expensive, because <laughs> it's Stevie Wonder, uh, and then they, they put it back into the. The, uh, the the DVD releases and the home video releases. Cozy, I love it. But yeah, that it, it's it's mad in it how you can just have a crew and not give them any backstory and it all just works. You just kind of get it. Yeah. And they all slot into their roles like yeah. just by doing something simple like McCready in his little shack with his big beard. You know he's like the 
protector guy. Yeah. The, the comms officer, the scientist, who's one of which, Rob, is one of your favourite people. Wilford Brimley. Yeah. Uncle Duvet. <laughs> Uncle Duvet. Uncle Duvet. <laughs> Welcome back to the podcast, Wilford Brimley. <laughs> Uh, I didn't think if I ever got the chance to welcome him back, it would be for the thing. Uh, but here we are. Woof, what a guy. And again, what a great performance as well. I mean, we're going to have to paraphrase the whole movie, yeah. essentially. What goes on from the very beginning of this film is that we get introduced to an incredible cast of uh, different inhabitants of this camp who are doing a scientific study of what we don't know <laughs> you know we got no idea but they're all brilliant they all do their own roles there's a few um like uh, like hands on deck kind of people there's a few scientist people there's a few um like smart asses uh people in charge yeah you know that kind of stuff <laughs> gary <laughs> uh love gary they all do their own thing but obviously mistrust in a in an absolute hotbed of this lost isolated testosterone just makes everyone suspicious of each other no one trusts each other at all and they all fall over themselves essentially while they're being ripped to shreds by an alien entity (laughs) that starts off with the dog in the most obscene of ways excellent dog acting oh that dog is that that dog top dog (laughs) where's the animal acting awards because he's so good (laughs) he really is what greatness Uh, I think like we we soon get introduced to the fact that obviously there's a lot of incredible effects. I also think that the cinematography of this movie needs to be noted. Dean Cundey, well, he's Jurassic one of the Park gr- fame, one of the greats, isn't he, Dean Cundey? One of the greats all time. Yeah, uh, no wonder this movie looks like the absolute flipping business. It's funny how you referenced uh, Jurassic Park and not Roadhouse, which <laughs> Dean Cundey also. <laughs> Of this parish. I fucking love Rhoda. <laughs> so good. Dalton! Oh, and again, we, we're getting a remake of that. Let's. We're uh, not going there. We're not going there. That trailer looked absolute dynamite until a certain retired UFC fighter appeared. Uh, it's just going to make everyone realise how good the original is, though. I love how Doug Lyman's protesting his own movie as well. Have you heard about this? Oh, yeah, it's, it's funny, that. Tangent. <laughs> He's yeah, really it's like funny. they said they were going to put it in theaters, and so I'm refusing to promote it basically because it's going straight to streaming. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, he said he's not going to to anything. Um, I wonder, I wonder what type of Doug Lyman film we're going to get—a Born Identity or a, a Jumper? Yeah, we, you never know with Doug, do you? Really, <laughs> he's been a bit more consistent since he started working with Tom Cruise, but uh, yeah, he's a. Uh, he is. He can be a little hit and miss, can't he? <laughs> well, I think the trailer suggests we might get both. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, you know, like, Stein was, was great. And then honestly, I'm so guys. into everything about that. I think um, Jill and Heller will be great. It'll be great. It'll be fine. But then it will go wrong, obviously, because of... The little Irish fella. Yeah, that other person. <laughs> yeah. Um, Rob Bartan is in charge of special effects here. Does an astonishing job also... Special thanks uh, in the credits go to Stan Winston. Wasn't wasn't there a guy the, the guy who was in charge of the effects? Wasn't he something like twenty one or something? Twenty two when he started the project. Yeah. Twenty two, and he's just like it's like 
It's like going to work, you're like a 40, 40 year old, 45 year old grip who's been doing this job for years. And then this young kid is like, who the fuck's this guy? And then he shows you uh, this dog splitting in half. It's like, what? Yeah, it's, it's mad. Which is the favourite of the thing monsters that he creates for you guys in terms of the various contraptions? Because I don't think we need to go through this movie step by step. It's, you know, I think everybody listening will have seen it. We've covered quite a lot of it anyway. Yeah, we We actually have. Yeah. 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 So the thing comes into the base and it starts picking people off because it can replicate anyone that it comes in contact with. Yeah. And if you've not seen it, go and watch it immediately. You will have the best night of your life. Mm. It, it, It ends with such a a wonderful what-if moment. So, spoiler alert, gang, if you've not seen it, go watch it, yeah. kind of thing. But, right, if you're still here... So, my kids were so interested to know what was going on with me going watching these movies this night. Because I'd said to them, kids, if you get up tonight, promise me you won't come into the lounge. Because, obviously... Some sick stuff going on in there. At any moment, someone's arms might get bitten off by a man's belly. <laughs> so the kids were like, "What? What rating is this film? Is it a 12? And I said, "No, it's an 18. And they were like, "Oh, you know, like the horror was absolute because you don't get many of them anymore. The horror was absolutely gigantic. They couldn't fathom that. So they're like, "What is it about?" And I said, "It's about an alien from space that kills people." And they were like, ah, what does it look like? And I said, it could be in any of us. And again, they were just like, the idea that any of us could be the thing. It, like, it's just so primal and, yeah. and instinctive to go, oh, God, no. They hated the idea. So they asked me questions about it all the time, all the time. And at the end, they said, does the goody win? And I said, I don't know. None of us do. <laughs> Yeah, it's. Oh. I just love how like the the way all the sort of characters are in it. Some of them are quite odd anyway. Yeah. So they're immediately suspicious. You know, you're immediately suspicious of these people. Like, I think he's called Clark, the one who looks after the dogs. Oh yeah. And you're kind of like suspicious of him because it's just great that you're in the same boat as everyone else. I mean, you're kind of hoping and thinking that McCready is the the one who's you can trust out of everyone because yeah. he's obviously the main guy in the movie with his gorgeous beard. So, you know, he's probably the exception to the rule, but everyone else, you're just like, oh, I've got no, no idea. It's just similar to Alien, I guess. You have that kind of class divide between the people in the base. Yeah. So they don't like each other because of that. And then you've got this alien thing going. That, and, and then there are people who are just like, you know, they've seen a dog split in half but then they're still refusing to believe what's going on. <laughs> they're just like, like no, this, is, this, is, this, is, this is not possible. So then you don't trust them. But it's just uh, it's just all set up so brilliantly. It really is. And there's misdirection everywhere as well. Gary's arc is brilliant. Yeah, because he's weird as well, isn't he? Like He's so edgy the whole, the whole yeah. time. And then he gets the line of the movie. He does, he does get the, the, the line of the Gary movie. Gary has too. big sort of... Paul Blart energy, like nobody <laughs> trusts him and nobody respects him. Essentially, like he's like rent a cop. You know, he's not he's not head of the police force, is he, or anything like that, to be stationed up in Antarctica as security. Yeah, it, it, he's like in, in over his head, isn't he? Like he, he he's he's nervous the whole time. Yeah. He's a great shot, though. Oh yeah, because he, he he's clearly not up to the task and, and the one time he's called upon <laughs> it's like oh fuck I've got to do my job now <laughs> yeah yeah 
What? He's the one time I've got to sort order is an alien invasion. Oh, great. You know. <laughs> the, so the, we have some iconic scenes. Obviously, like a lot of it is... Uh, some of the iconic stuff is through the practical effects and the astonishing levels of gore. But also, I think with tension and staging, the blood test scene is one of the greatest of any cinema moment of all time for me. Oh, it's just an incredible set piece. I, I don't think there's tension like it. Uh, you know, there's tension in cinema, obviously. Tension in great movies, but this is up there amongst the absolute finest for me. It's the sound as well, isn't it? When he puts the copper wire in there. <laughs> goes right through me. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's just excellent. Isn't yeah, it? that will automatically make it quite tense. But I also think like that scene matters because of the character work you've done beforehand in a very short amount of time. And you, you sort of care or at least know enough about everyone for their deaths and their fates to matter, which means that, yeah, that scene just carries so much weight and it's absolutely heinous. When things go wrong, it's so heinous. And the creature design is just so good. Tentacles flicking and flying everywhere, globs of blood flying all over the place, but teeth emerging from orifices to... T- <laughs> to eat people. It is outstanding. It's all so good. And then all like the motives of all the people in it as well. So like who's Wilford Brimley's character Blair? Blair yeah. yeah. Um so he quickly realizes that, you know, if this gets out of the basin into the world, this is gonna cause the end of the world because yeah. it's just that Yeah, he's doing those great. computations on his lovely old yeah. computer, isn't he? Yeah. And so you just get him like now and again popping up, like smashing things up and stuff. And you just like, oh, what? I mean, is, is he doing this or is the alien doing it? And then I don't think you ever find out who sabotaged the blood either because they're, they're talking about doing you don't. the blood. I, I didn't think I found it because they thought it was Gary because he was one of the only ones with the keys, but with Gary the keys, didn't have yeah. the, you know. Yeah. Did, um, and then, yeah, when they do get to that blood test bit and it's so tense and so quiet and then it's just the biggest jump scare of the film. <laughs> oh, dear. It just pops out the bigger and then it just <laughs> all goes nuts. Oh, God, it's so good. I'm trying to think which one my favourite alien was. I think the one with the belly where it bites his arm. Yeah, and then, he's, <laughs> and then his disembodied head rolls onto the floor and becomes a spider yeah. and it's got one of the best laugh moments as oh, well in that when they amazing. when they see his head spider like trying to trying to sneak out the room like <laughs> yeah <laughs> and like they're all just looking at it like double taking it like, oh it's brilliant oh, you've got it's to be so kidding good. me <laughs> great use of flamethrowers in this movie super use super use and and lovely crumpling effects of when fire hits tissue like yeah, it, and yeah it's used a lot the flamethrowers is used a lot in the same way flares are used a lot you know that yeah. like, pr- like practical lighting yeah, because yeah, everything's yeah. quite blue because it's it night is, yeah. and snow. But then you've got the the red flares and the the orange fire, and it just looks beautiful, like so nice. <laughs> like every it time really they does. pop the flares, it, you're like what? Vic Reeves rubbing your legs like what? Oh no, what? Dean Cundy. <laughs> he's got McCready and Ian Malcolm. Flare dons of cinema. Oh yeah, flares. Love love the flares. <laughs> Flare dons. <laughs> Incredible phrase. <laughs> <laughs> I really, I so I really, really, really like the um, sick tentacles of the dog 
effects at the start. The alien, you know, the alien, like not the start, but you know, like when the the dog's been put in the kennel with all the other yeah, ones, yeah. and it's just taking them all over and dragging them in, and it's absolutely foul and disgusting. And yeah, the spaffing everywhere. Uh, yeah, I don't know how it's done. I'll never know, and I also don't want to know because it's that good. I want to preserve that mystique and mystery. Um, I think as well, there are so many great ones. I think my favourite of all of them, actually, though, is when the chap with the the little red beard goes outside. Oh, yeah. That, and yeah. he's on his knees on the floor and his hands are, like, elongating because it's starting to transform yeah. and to reach out to perform symbiosis on whatever. And he turns and looks and he's like... <laughs> Uh, the 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 oh, it's so alien. I don't mean the movie; just the i the whole yeah. feel of looking at that is alien. Yeah, and that's up, yeah, it's horrifying. Yeah. It's horrifying. So that that is not only my favorite alien effect; but it's my favorite bit in the movie. Um, lads, what is your favorite bit in the movie? I, I've got to go with the uh, so during the blood test when it when the jump scare happens and then it turns out that Palmer is. Is the thing, and he's like, he start his head starts splitting open and stuff like that. And McCready's like to windows, like get him, get him, and he freezes, and then Palmer's head splits in two and chomps on him like an alligator. <laughs> yes, and then it it cuts to the shot where it's uh, Keith David and Gary, and the actor who plays Gary like tied to this chair, absolutely terrified, and in the background you've got. <laughs> Palmer chomping down windows like this, and it's so absurd and horrible, and and that it, it makes you laugh because it's just so ridiculous what is happening, but so scary yeah, at the same yeah. time, and disgusting, and yeah, just so violent, and yeah, and then it leads to one of the best lines in cinema, which we just need to yeah, to can drop we have that? Like, can we drop this in here as an honourable mention? I know you gentlemen have been through a lot. And when you find the time, I'd rather not spend the rest of this winter tied to this fucking couch! <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's it's too good. But I, I know I, I agree, because that's another favourite of mine, is that when it's like a, the Venus flytrap <laughs> around Windows' yes, head. Absolutely. And, yeah. and like waving him around, and he's like this flailing below. <laughs> His, his body is just being flayed. His blood's sprayed everywhere. Oh, it's awful. <laughs> you imagine if you're in that position of, of, of Gary and Childs where you're just like strapped to the chair and you can't move. You're just like, get me off the chair. Oh you would be shitting yourself. It, oh, that's oh, it, man. Yeah, it's... it's it's elite. It's elite level cinema. It's this. just so uh, good. sorry, Sai. Yeah. What is your what is your favourite moment of the movie? No, I was going to say um, Gary's Gary's line about the couch. <laughs> <laughs> but but no, but uh, another bit. Uh, this my other favourite bit is also involving Gary. It's like towards the end of the film where Wilford Brimley is now the the thing. Oh, oh yeah, you don't see. Noel's die, I don't think. I'm not sure if no. I got caught or... But, but you don't see him... No, he just disappears, yeah. But then Gary's death is so horrible. <laughs> like, oh, the, the the fingers through the face. Yeah, he just gets... Because he, he's, he's... At various points in the film, the alien has been some weird sort of halfway through turning into the things. You know, he's trying to replicate. So he's kind of like 
mangled and all that. But he's actually done it with Wilfred Brimley. So yeah. it's just him walking around. And he just sticks his fingers in his face. And it's just so <laughs> horrible. But again, it just looks amazing. Yeah, it becomes one with and him. Then he, yeah. And then he yeah. merges with him. And you've got that, it cuts back to him because McCready realises what's oh, going on. Yeah. And he's like, oh. And then it cuts back to him and he's just dragging him. And with his hand still buried in his face. Yeah, and he's like, become part of him. Oh, oh my God. It's oh, it's, it's just, it's it's so good. There was a bit I was thinking about, which I didn't really clock in the film. They're always trying to blame McCready, aren't they? All, mm. They're all trying to accuse McCready of being the thing at like loads of points. Is that the alien re- realising he's the biggest threat and that's why they're trying to... Yeah, it could be. Frame him because it, could it protects be, yeah. itself, yeah, yeah. doesn't it? And it protects itself in all sorts of ways. So yeah, yeah, could be. And it's because it happens a few times where they're just like they're they're just trying to get rid of him and cut him loose and all that. Because like, oh yeah, it's, de- it's definitely him. He's definitely the thing. <laughs> but whereas me as a viewer and and as as a big lover of Jack Burton, I'm like, nah, it's not. He's That's Kurt Russell. Not, There's no way. Gonna, He's not especially gonna... when he comes back in because he's he's brilliant at uh, conveying dependable honesty as well, even under the threat of an alien sort of like organism that wants to take over your body. Yeah, <laughs> I just he's just great, Kurt Russell, and it's just so annoying when you see that this was was it three one of three films with John Carpenter that all bombed at the box office, and it's just <laughs> like oh poor Kurt Russell, he's he's brilliant. <laughs> He's just so good. As our friend Tom Pickett would say, they don't want it. <laughs> Not ready for such gorgeous manliness. <laughs> Which we must dis- it would be it would be remiss of us not to discuss the ending yes, in our of theory. Oh yeah. On the ending, because it's one of the great ambiguous endings. It is, it really is. So at the end, it is just Kurt Russell's McCready and uh, Keith David. It, this is first significant on screen acting role. This, uh, yeah, I, did re- I didn't realise that. He's really so, good at I'm, it as well. Yeah, I'm yeah. so glad. So Keith David oozes charisma. Mm. Yeah, and he's really good in the movie. And the, the big thing at the end of this movie is, who is the thing out of the two of them? Is it, is it McCready? Is it Childs? Is it both of them? Or is it neither of mm. them? Yeah. So do you have theories? Does it not matter? We follow McCready in the underground bit in the mic where he's trying to blow it all up. And you're like, there's no way he could have survived that. He's just kind of sacrificed himself. He's blown everything up. Surely he can't survive that. So that's my thinking that maybe it's him. But then with Childs, he's disappeared for the last 20 minutes. <laughs> it's like, usually when that happens, they're probably the alien at this point. Yeah. But when I was watching it, I kind of have always flipped between the two of them. When I was watching it last night, I think neither of them are. I think they're both yeah. at that point where they've done it and they've killed it, but they're just so broken mentally that they just can never yeah. trust another man again. And they just can't. <laughs> and I love that with with that line when he just says, like, let's just wait and see what happens because they can't do anything. Yeah, they're screwed either way. Yeah. They're screwed either way, all of them. And it's just such yeah. a good ending. It's brilliant. It, and it's brave, isn't it? It's a brave ending. Yeah. Yeah. For what it's worth, I think that Childs is the thing. And the reason that I think this is there's a line of dialogue about halfway through the movie where they talk about that they should prepare their own meals because it only needs like 
a little particle yeah. in order to replicate you. And the reason I think Childs is the thing is because just before he arrives out of nowhere, McCready is about to take a sip from his Jim B, uh, J&B whiskey bottle. And he doesn't because he's startled by the appearance of Childs. And then he hands it to Childs. And Childs just, without even thinking, just takes a swig Ooh. right away. And if he was concerned about McCready being right. the thing, oh damn, he he wouldn't do that. He wouldn't he wouldn't take the swig. It's a bit like with the uh, with the chess computer right at the very start. So uh, McCready he hates the the chess machine and he poisons it basically. <laughs> he basically pulls because, and that reveals to him that it's cheating basically. So I think it's that. I think that that's why Childs is the. Uh, because it's imitating a human, but he wouldn't know that they'd all decided not to share like utensils and stuff like that. That is, I've never thought of it like that, but that that makes total sense of the chess bit now. That's genius, James. Well done. <gasps> tell, tell, is, wait, wait, wait. Tell me the wait. Hang on a second. Tell me the chess bit again. So the chess, the chess game is imitating a person playing chess. Yeah, and McCready gets to the point that he. I can only defeat it by basically short-circuiting it. So in the same way that the chess computer can't... I might be reaching too far here, but the chess computer can't handle the booze. That reveals it, that it isn't human, essentially. And the fact that Childs takes a swig of the booze, even though Childs would know that they shouldn't be sharing cooking utensils or anything because that could lead to replication. Penny dropping, penny dropping. that he's just... It suggests to me that he is the thing because he isn't concerned about whether uh, Kurt Russell's character is the thing. Does that make sense? Yes. Because he's the alien, basically. He doesn't have to worry about it and he's just trying to pass for human. It's such a good close circle with that opening. It makes so much sense of that check because he, he pours the whiskey in the computer, doesn't he? Yeah. And he does, yeah. And that's why he chuckles to himself because it reveals yeah. itself. And Because they make such a point of him pouring the whiskey and then pouring the whiskey yeah. into the computer. Oh, that's really good that is. Because everyone's had their theories over the years, haven't they? And yeah. I think Dean Cundy had said that he thinks it's McCready who is the thing because he did a lighting trick with eyes during the movie. Yeah, yeah. Where there's like a glint in people's eyes and he was like, "Oh, and, and McCready had it." But John Carpenter has since de- debunked that and said he has no clue. He's talking shit. <laughs> <laughs> I love the people that made the movie don't know. I love that. I love that. That's so good. Like, they were all on set. They went to all this effort. They made the, you know, the sets, the effort. Yep. There's fire in the background. The set was destroyed. And they don't know what the ending is themselves. I love that effort. That and boldness. it ultimately comes down to either way, whichever way, it doesn't matter because... They're, like Simon says, they're screwed whatever happens yeah. because either one of them's a thing and it hibernates until the the rescue team shows up in the spring and then takes over the world or neither of them are the thing and they both die in the cold anyway. Because yeah. so. that, that's that's what I thought happened. That that was my take, was that um, yeah. they both, neither were the thing and they both died in about 90 minutes to two hours. <laughs> <laughs> being yeah. frozen to death, which is harrowing and pointless and so much less dramatic. Yeah. But th- th- that's amazing. Like, that, th- all those tick boxes and callbacks yeah. are, are brilliant there, James. Yeah. I'd, li- no, I'd love to know what very... people think online, please. 
weigh I, in. I'd Come never, on. yeah, I'd I'd never seen or thought about that. That's very good, James. Oh, you're a yeah. smart. Oh, thanks. That's really good. I uh, know. I've just seen it like quite. A, it only dropped on this rewatch because mine was like, well, you just don't know, do you? And then I was like, I thought more about the chess computer over the last yeah, couple of days. Because I, I have to say, watching this in the most recent one, that chess sequence did really stand out to me as like. It's a bit weird how he Yeah, it's the, the in there for some it, reason, but, isn't yeah, it? It's there you're for right. Some, yeah, you're yeah. right. It, but, but yeah. But yeah, so so Carpenter is apparently the only one who knows for sure and won't reveal it. Which is funny because he didn't even write the script for this. Somebody else wrote it. <laughs> as, as he says, he claims Dean Cundy's full of shit. <laughs> I think in terms of a screenwriting point of view, that's surely got to be something. Because why, why else you would that be? Sure, because usually yeah, the screen... Well, you've got to go to the effort of filming that. That chess sequence, haven't yeah. you? Yeah. Screenwriting 101 is that you end up back yeah. where you started, yeah, essentially, exactly, is yeah. that you loop back around and something that is introduced in the first act comes back to prevalence yeah. within the closing of the film. Definitely. Because it's, it's done really obviously nowadays, isn't it, with this foreshadowing? Yeah. I call it the Edgar Wright school of foreshadowing, where it's just <laughs> so obvious <laughs> that you see something and you go like, oh, well, that's yeah. going to come back in a bit. Like someone's like got, got an axe and they're just pretty much winking at the camera like, ooh, oh. there it is. Ooh. I've dropped this axe behind <laughs> the chest of drawers. Ooh. And then you just know that's going to come back later on. <laughs> Whereas here, it's, it's a lot more subtle. Yeah. And it doesn't spoil the movie whether you make, whether you make that connection or not, or if you go off on that tangent. And it's not that anyway, because the ending is powerful, whichever interpretation. Yeah. You take from yeah, it. Yeah, it's it's good. Did you hear the, the? I haven't played the video game, but there is a video game which is apparently canon. Oh, which is set after. Oh right. You're you're the rescue team who go back to the oh. base. Oh Christ! I really want to play it. I don't. <laughs> no I don't know thanks. what thing it's on. Yeah, I bet you can't. I bet you can't play it. Isn't there like a stat that like ninety percent of games that have ever been made are currently unavailable, unavailable play, because yeah. of all the different format changes? Yeah. Yeah. It's, so I'm having a look now. It's a 2002 PS2 game. PS2. Yeah, so you have to break your PS2 out of. Yeah. So <laughs> in that you find Childs is frozen to death. So he was wasn't the thing. Right. And McCready had managed to escape. Mm. I'm gonna have to go on YouTube and see if So I'm, I'm looking at game. it on YouTube right now. It looks quite a bit like Goldeneye. <laughs> <laughs> a quite congested Goldeneye. Um But but yeah, I mean there's 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 many, many interpretations. I think that's why the ending's so good. We've chatted about yeah. the ending for like twenty minutes of just the yeah, question no, of I th- but I which think one is That's one of the most interesting like the, ending other. It's like the Blade Runner ending, isn't it, as well? Mm. Like is he a replicant yeah. or not? Yeah. Like no one knows for sure. <laughs> and they both came out on the yeah, same day. Yeah, they both day. came out the same right, day. That's, He's brilliant. Get, get, uh, they don't want it, Tom. <laughs> they don't want it. These people don't want it. Goodness me. Of course, with Blade Runner, it's even muddier, isn't it? Because you've had the sequel and also Ridley's recut that film about three different times. Yes. So I don't even know if he's a replicant. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, I've seen that film three times at least. He, he, he should be a replicant, but the sequel kind of says he's not, right? That's how right. I, uh, no, I've not seen the sequel. Uh, so uh, I don't. I can't remember. It might not have. Uh... Have you not Although, seen uh, it, Rob? Oh, no, I've so seen good. their interview, him and uh, Re- uh, Gosling's. 
interview with, with uh, yeah, yeah. Alison Hammond from, many oh, times super. where they get on the gym. Oh, that's brilliant. Yes, yeah, very good. So, <laughs> so very good. good. I've never seen Harrison Ford offer so much in an interview before. That one. <laughs> yeah, it's so boring. But in that, he's just like, well, yeah. he's having a good time and he's really enjoying Basically, it. Basically, he gets on her... Um, he gets on... She gets him on side by saying she's never seen the original Blade Runner, and it like it shocks him, and he's like, "Oh right, okay, here we go." <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to talk about how brilliant I am. Let's just mess around. Yeah. It's very good. It's such a good interview. But but yeah, um, I'm. Oh, I still don't. I still don't know. But it's this. But it makes the ending great. Who knows? Who knows? I'd like to think McCready isn't. Basically, so would I. Yeah. So, for your reconsideration, this might be quite a foregone conclusion for listeners. But, James, for your reconsideration, the thing. <laughs> no. <laughs> Watch Alien, it's better. <laughs> uh, so, you know, over 40 years later, and John Carpenter's The Thing remains as gruesomely effective as it always was, they sure as hell don't make them like this anymore. Uh, I'm going to big up the 4K transfer because it is magnificent. It amplifies Cundy's cinematography, the brilliantly horrible practical effects, and Kurt's baby blues to a god-tier level of sharpness. Uh, the score, plus the unrelentingly bleak and suspenseful story, aren't half bad either. The Thing is Carpenter's best film and one of the great sci-fi horror films. For me, Ridders just shades it with Alien but this is a close runner-up in terms of the sci-fi horror canon for me. I think everything you said there, I totally agree with. Um, when I look at... Um, so this will be my take on... You know, Kasai, you will, we will go last, of course, because it was your pick. Everything is a standard for me here. Performances, direction, visual effects, cinematography, score, uh, writing, it's all... A plus for me. On top of that, you have universally brilliant execution from everyone involved in this film. And I think this is some of the most standout sci-fi horror that you will find anywhere at all, if not the standout. It's one of the best films ever made. Yeah. That's it. Brilliant. Yeah, I, I, there's not really much I, I can add to that because I completely agree with everything. Not only is this one of Carpenter's best... I mean, Big Trouble in Little China is still my favourite John Carpenter film, obviously. Um, also allowed. I think mm-hmm. I think with this film, I would stick it in my top ten oh, wow. of all time. Yeah. It's, it's I just think it's that good. It's just a masterclass in tension building. Acting as well. I, it never really gets the sort of credibility for how good the cast is. Yeah, the ensemble's really good. It's like, re- yeah, really, really good ensemble. And then obviously, what has been said and appreciated is just some stellar prosthetic practical VFX which arguably the best there's ever been on screen really in terms of that I just think as a film and as a whole package it's as close to perfect as you can get really yeah. I just yeah. it's hard to fault anything I just think it's a brilliant film I think from start to finish the mystery behind it yeah. all with the dog and the Norwegians and if you don't put subtitles on the slow the slow uncovering of the plot and everything and it's 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 oh it's brilliant I just absolutely love it oh man thank you so much for bringing it I I didn't like the the absolute joy of you being able to bring it to us yeah is uh, an absolute treat thank absolutely. you very much. I just I just can't believe so many I mean I get the odd one or yeah. two but 
pretty much across the board. People just weren't ready for it back yeah. then. Yeah. Just brilliant. Too soon. Too soon. People weren't ready. Yeah, it's one of those, isn't it? It's just they weren't weren't prepared. Do you know what? Do you like? So there's a lot of movies out there that I think are in the best movies ever made. This one has a difference for me because it's like it's not only do I think it's one of the best movies ever made, but it's it's endlessly enjoyable for me. Like yeah. like I think like the likes of Goodfellas is one of the best movies ever made. Do I want to watch it every night? Probably not. Could I handle watching the thing every night? Yeah, probably. Yeah, because you can hoot and holler your way through it as well. When you can. Gross this is happens. The thing. <laughs> yeah, it's a rarity, isn't it, that you can really find entertainment in one of the top movies ever made. How how long is it? A hundred minutes or is it about one hundred five? One hundred five, I think it is. By the time the credits roll, oh, which right. is perfect. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, under two hours as well. It's yeah. just it just makes films just infinitely rewatchable. And yeah. this is definitely one of those films you can watch time and time again. Which I think a lot of Carpenter's films yeah. do. Yeah. That, tick that box as well. Yeah, you ain't bored. You ain't bored watching a Carpenter movie. I just love, <laughs> I just love John Carpenter. I just everything about, I'm, yeah, he's, he's what an absolute legend. Ew. Boys, this has just been a triumph. I've loved it. I've loved every second of it, and I'm probably probably going to go watch the movie again if I hadn't already got uh, When Evil Lurks queued up <laughs> because I'm staring at it right now and it's ready to go. So, um, fellas, thank you so much for a lovely night. Um, uh, what, what? Hang on. What are we doing next? Well, it's your pick, it? it's your Oh, pick. it's your go. Have you prepared one? <laughs> uh, I've had one. Well, so I didn't know it was mine, but I have actually had one in the wings for a long time because what I will say, whenever I ask my 13-year-old why do we have to do something, she says, reasons. <laughs> so we're going to do this movie for reasons. Uh, and it is nowhere to run. We're going back to Van Damme Town. And this is the movie where JCVD breaks out of prison, hides at a farm, and gets involved in an agricultural dispute. Oh, wow. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I'm not going to big it up. I'm not going to say a great deal. I will only say... You will not be disappointed. Yeah, I've not seen this one. I, this is one I'm of the not, ones I haven't seen. I'm not sure I've seen this one either. I mean, there's oh, dozens of Van Damme I haven't seen, but this, <laughs> I, haven't, I definitely this is more, one of the more mainstream ones that I haven't seen. Yeah, so it's we're talking '93. Yeah, I think Sweet here. Zone. Yeah, um, we have a Culkin child on the cast. Oh, class! Uh, and Patricia Arquette, um, and someone else that I'm going to hold under my hat. Okay. <laughs> Oh, it's uh, it's um, thingy. Uh, the Culkin child is Roman Roman Roy. Brilliant. Oh, Roger. from Succession. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. excellent. He Fuller. jolly jolly is, and he gets to say some lines that I think we'll all be <laughs> thankful never to have to hear again after recording. <laughs> <laughs> uh, thanks, fellas. Uh, I look forward to chatting to you guys next time for Nowhere to Run, uh, which I've got no idea where that is. Go and have a look on all your subscription services to see where it is. Speaking of subscription services, please do give us five stars on your podcast uh, subscription service of choice. Uh, did you see that segue? Goodness oh gracious. That was one of your finest. One of your finest. <laughs> I might have slipped up on a couple of syllables, but it is very late at night. Uh, And, um, yeah, thank you, boys. It's been amazing. 
I've, I've loved every minute. Thank you so it's much. It's been so good. What and what a film to chat about and come yes. back into the fold. Oh, greatness! I've missed you, lads. It's been <laughs> jolly good. Missed you, mate. Say goodbye, boys. Bye bye. See ya. See ya. Um, just so we all know, just check Twitter. Greg Wallace is still trending. Outstanding. <laughs> Brilliant. I'm going to go read that again. That's my favourite thing. Of- I've heard he's uh, building a flying saucer underneath his shed, a la Wilford Brimley. <laughs> well, that will only enhance his six-pack. Okay. He's the biggest dickhead. <laughs> <laughs> Can we finish on that, Sam? <laughs> please? <laughs> uh.